it has been a perfect New Jersey game seven. 20 seconds to go. And now, Ray, the question becomes what happens with New York? Very disappointing. They loaded up at the deadline with veterans thinking they had a potential cup winning team. Well, it was either going to work or it was going to fail spectacularly. And a first round exit is option B. The New Jersey Devils win a playoff series for the first time in 11 years. And they're on to the second round. After not really days of speculation, mainly days of relaxation, the Carolina Hurricanes finally know who they will take on in the second round. And for the first time since 2009, since Game 7 in Newark, since the shock at the Rock in 2009, the New Jersey Devils will face off against the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is going to be a banger of an episode. Let's get into it. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. This is that moment in the movie, near the beginning, of course, where the gang is coming back together, someone's reaching out, everyone's meeting back up to go to battle together. And that's very much what the Hurricanes are doing going forward. We finally know that the Hurricanes will take on the New Jersey Devils in the second round. And, you know, if you watched Game 7... In MSG, I'm sorry, in Newark, in The Rock, uh, we all knew what was going to happen, you know, going into the third period. But my mind went to this Luke DeCock quote from 2009 when the Hurricanes took on the Devils in the second round. And we'll get into why in a second, but the, int- the lead-in for his article that day was... Of all the arenas in all the world, the Devils. Why did it have to be the Devils? A clear reference to the famous scene in Casablanca. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Now, of course, Carolina wasn't playing the role of a heartbroken man drinking at a bar, but they had a long history with New Jersey. Newer fans might not know, and older fans might have forgotten, that in the early 2000s, the Canes and Devils were a true rivalry. From 2000 to 2009, each time the Hurricanes made the playoffs, their journey went through New Jersey. In 2001, New Jersey beat Carolina in five, then lost to the Avs in the Stanley Cup Finals. The next season, Carolina flipped the table on New Jersey 
beating them in six games and advancing to the Stanley Cup Finals themselves. Hurricanes fans know this story. The team lost in a gentleman's sweep against a completely stacked Detroit Red Wings with, I'm not joking here, I think 15 different Hall of Famers in the lineup, not even including the legendary Scotty Bowman behind the bench. I think everyone knows why I'm quickly going to move past that one and go to 2006 when the Hurricanes beat the Devils in five games in the second round and ended their season the way that we all always dream that they will. I'm proud to present this to you. Three years after that miraculous night and season, the Hurricanes would once again, and for the fourth consecutive playoff appearance, face off against the New Jersey Devils, this time in the first round, taking the team from Newark all the way to seven games and the new Prudential Center. What happened in the final 90 seconds of that game is a legend in Raleigh. The game's over! Carolina Hurricanes will advance! A miraculous ending! Unbelievable ending! In 30 years of watching the National Hockey League and this particular franchise, I don't care what happened on the 19th of June 2006. This has just superseded it. Maybe not in importance, maybe not in anything but the unexpected, the stunning turnaround of two goals being scored in 48 seconds when the Hurricanes may have been left for dead and all of a sudden they win it in regulation. Final of four to three, they are mobbing Cam Ward. They are hugging each other, and now the greatest part of the game, the handshakes out at center. Carolina's season would end at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not going to say what happened. It wasn't pretty. Look it up if you want to suffer. Three out of the four times that these teams have met, the winner of the series has gone all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. One of the times... Carolina even came out of it with a ring on their finger. Every time these teams have met in the playoffs, and this will continue this year, the winning team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's, you know, this is one of those times where uh, if you believe in the hockey gods, it's like, oh my god, oh my god. This means the winner of this series is going to go to the cup. And if you don't believe in the hockey gods, you're like, I mean, okay, can we move on? But I guess I digress. Let's, let's, let's keep going. It's just the vintage fan in my heart, the vintage Hurricane fan in my heart, is happy to see the, I don't know, rebirth of this rivalry. With the trajectory of these two teams, there is a real chance that this rivalry can be sparked back to life and continue for the next few seasons, if not more. And I, for one, am excited. Svechnikov against Hughes. 
Okay, maybe not a good time to use Svechnikov, but still. We're going to be facing Dougie Hamilton, either trying to win the Metro in the regular season, or trying to win a cup against him, every year for the remaining seven years of that monster deal he signed. All I'm saying is get used to not liking the Devils. Carolina's first-round matchup was a boring series to anyone not on Long Island or in the old North State. Two defensive powerhouses isn't exactly much-watch television. However, this second-round matchup, Carolina v. the New Jersey Devils, is the opposite. New Jersey's fast-paced, high-scoring reputation matched with Carolina's defensive, never-give-up-on-a-play, grind-it-out style makes every game in this series much-watch television around the NHL. You literally have no idea what will happen in any of these games. And I want to say that it is more than obvious that Carolina is missing very needed scorers in Andrei Svechnikov, Taro Vinen, except not really this season, and Max Pacioretty. I wrote about this on the Home Ice Advantage blog, Kane'sHomeIce.com. Go ahead and check it out. It's a good place to read. Uh... And honestly, yeah, that's that's going to be a thing, right? But the Hurricanes were never going to beat New Jersey off of pure goal-scoring ability. That just wasn't going to be a thing. This series was always going to come down to who makes the less mistakes. It almost always does in the NHL playoffs. So, yeah, do we wish we had those players? Of course. But Carolina's playbook here isn't to light the lamp five to six, seven times a game. Their entire goal will be to shut down the New Jersey Devils and create as many odd man rushes due to the just pure speed of the Devils and try to sink those chances. Is Carolina going to win the series? I don't know. That's kind of the point of playoff hockey. You never know. The Toronto Maple Leafs ended a 19-year drought of making it out of the first round. The Florida Panthers defeated the literal best statistical team in the history of the NHL in seven games. That happened. You never know. Never count anyone out. Also, Canes and Six. I'm calling it now. Canes and Six. I want to talk about goaltending. Because Rod Brindamore is straight up just messing with us now. You may remember last week when I want to say it was going into game five. Someone asked him, so who's going to start a net? Because after every game, fans and the media insist on knowing who's going to start the next game, even though it's mainly obvious. And Rod was just like, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. Listen, I need some fun in my life and this entertaining, so you guys are just going to have to squirm. And he did it again today. Yeah, no, he's not going to tell us who he plans to start in game one. And honestly, I was a bit surprised to see Freddie Anderson in game six. I think you all know that I said it would be Ranta until Ranta proved he didn't belong there. But after game six, I really thought about it, and I understand the decision. If you continuously ride Ranta and never give Freddie any amount of ice time, 
It's going to be really bad if you end up needing him. And he's been sitting on the shelf for a month, a month and a half. But also, what an incredible gift to give to Freddie Anderson. A series-clinching game that he played fucking great in, honestly. And now he got that giant gorilla off his back. I can't imagine the stress relief that was just instantaneous after the final horn rang in UBS Arena. That had to feel great for Freddy. So I started to understand why they started Freddy. Plus, load management on Ranta, he had played a ton up until that point. But who's going to start game one, right? Like, that's the magical question here. And honestly, this is anybody's guess, guys. Like, anybody's guess. Personally, maybe they... Maybe I think, I don't know I'm saying maybe, I think they'll return to Freddie Anderson. Give him a couple games, see what happens. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they just went back to Auntie Ranta and was like, okay, well, you got us out of the first round, let's go. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I think both men are going to be solid. I think that the goaltending is not going to be the problem in this series. It's ultimately going to come down to how defensively-minded and responsible the Canes play. So, I don't know. I guess stress about it until tomorrow at, like, 6 o'clock when uh, Walt finally lets us know. But, you know, it's it's an interesting one that Rod has decided to become a troll on this subject. He, he never really has before. He'll just be like, I don't know yet. But now he's like, no, I know. I totally know. That's... Of course I know. I'm just not going to tell you. I'm bored. I need, I need some entertainment. I need a smile on my face through these press scrums. And honestly, I'm 100% here for it. Switching over to New Jersey, they have caught lightning in a bottle, much like we did with Cam Ward back in 2006 with a rookie goalie. And literally, the goalie that New Jersey is running with through this series has only played in the league this season. He, he picked up a few games last season, but he's only played this season, and he only played a total of 18 games in the regular season. At 22 years old, Akira Schmid has played five games for New Jersey so far in the postseason with a 4-1 record, a 1.38 goals against, and a 5-9-1 save percentage. He out-goalied Shostorkin in the first round. That happened. That's real. And he's going to try to have a Cam Ward season. That is, that is what's happening. That is what's happening here. A 22-year-old rookie goaltender getting a real chance to win series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Keep an eye on that one. It's not that Carolina can't beat him, but we all know that sometimes hockey's fucking stupid, and weird, unexpected, glorious things can occur. Would it be glorious for us? No. Would it be a great story if it happened to literally any other team? Yeah. After watching, well, going back and watching some games in the first round, I honestly didn't watch a ton of New Jersey and the Rangers, which is surprising, because I should have, but whatever. He does seem to create a uh, awful lot of rebounds. He, he gets in the right places, but bounces off. Much like Shostorkin. I'm sorry, not Shostorkin, Shurokin. 
I'm just realizing how similar those names are. Anyways, much like Sorokin, he, he's an incredible goalie who is so quick on his feet that he doesn't always have time to freeze the puck. And Carolina, again, in case you forgot, was very good at scoring on the rebound in the regular season. So as long as they can maintain that, which they didn't really do against uh, Sorokin in the first round, they have more than a fighting chance. So what does Carolina need to do to be able to win this series? Well, Sebastian Ajo with his 7 points in 6 games, 4 goals and 3 assists, and Brent Burns with his 5 assists in 6 games need to continue to play lights out. Neither player has been absolutely perfect so far, but both of them have had moments of just incredible fucking play. I'm sorry I'm swearing so much. I'm excited. I normally try not to, but I'm, I'm excited. Both of them, Sebastian and uh, Burns, have been lights out at moments. I can think of two separate goals uh, scored by Sebastian Ajo, in one in Game 5 and one in Game 2, I want to say, against the Islanders. That were just pure grit, I'm Sebastian Ajo and I'm going to score this goal type situations. And Brent Burns? Hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. This man... You know, every, every once in a while I forget that he was a winger, right? Like, we, we've talked about this before. It's, it's not something that pops to the top of your mind, that he was drafted as an offensive player and then transitioned to the blue line. And you'll just be watching a game, and Brent Burns, from, from a, the top of the face-off circle, will come down to the crease, stick-handling through two or three guys, and put a good shot on net, and she's like, oh my god. Oh my god, he's a, he's, a, he's a defenseman? That man is supposed to defend? And he's out here, you know, making people eat his jock in a very unneeded graphic description. It's, it's been incredible. And I've mentioned it already this, uh, well, last series, that he wants a cup, right? Like, that's why he's here. These... This year and the two years that follows, his last chances to win the most prestigious trophy in the sport he has dedicated his life to. And you can see it in him. In no way will Brent Burns be the reason we lose a playoff game. And that's not me saying it. That's from his level of play. Auntie Ranta and Frederick Anderson just need to be good in net. They don't have to be absolutely incredible in net. They just need to be good enough to where even when, because it will happen, but even when New Jersey breaks through Carolina's defense, they are able to neutralize that scoring opportunity, giving Carolina the real opportunity, the real chance to outscore a team that makes it look easy to score six or seven goals a night, because that's what New Jersey does. I'm even cautiously optimistic about Carolina's power play. Did it always look great against the Islanders? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But it was effective. They don't win game one or game four against the Islanders without two power play goals in each game. And it's not like, you know, the Islanders or some scoring powerhouse team. They were a defensive juggernaut. Their power, uh, penalty kill in the regular season was just as good as ours. 
And it was awful. God-awful. In the first round. And that's not because the Islanders were bad. The Islanders played a good series. They were good, defensively-minded players. They did their job. But Carolina's power play seems to be figuring some stuff out. Now, of course, a lot of this is speculation, because we don't know. Because at the end of the regular season, it becomes incredibly easy for every pundit or guy with a podcast, guy on the radio, guy on their YouTube channel, to say, well, the regular season doesn't matter anymore. Which, of course it does, but also, it really doesn't. And I've got to be honest with you, going into the second round, the first round does not matter anymore. No one cares. No one's going to look back 20 years from now and be like, yeah, but they beat the Islanders in six games. It doesn't matter. The new job is to beat the New Jersey Devils in the best of seven. Win four games, move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. And God, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something? If this team can collectively work together, if their blue line can continue to produce offensive points, if their depth scoring can continue to show up, the series-clinching goal in round one was created thanks to Paul Stastny and Derek Stepan. Both of those players have had stretches where they were healthy scratches through the regular season, and their goal is the reason why we clinched the series against the New York Islanders. That's depth scoring. We've already talked about Brent Burns being incredible, Sebastian Ajo putting everything in he can. So, as long as we can get a little more offensive production from people like Seth Jarvis, Martin Natchez, we'll be in a good place. I know that Stefan Nason will keep getting greasy goals in front of the net. Just seems almost automatic for him, this playoffs. This is going to be a really fun series to watch. Again, it will be must-watch television. And one of these games, the Carolina Hurricanes will absolutely shut down the offense of the New Jersey Devils. It will happen. But... On the other side of that same coin, there will be a game, this series, where Carolina's defense completely falls apart, and New Jersey makes them pay for it. That's going to happen. Both of those things are true, and will occur in this series, so be prepared not to completely panic. Then again, it is the playoffs, and we panic about a missed call in the first 30 seconds of a game. So, you know, I don't think anyone's going to listen to my advice. Before we get out of here this episode, I want to, I, I don't know, this, back in the day when I hosted the show with Wes, uh, we did an Around the League segment, and honestly, when I was by myself, I found it incredibly boring for me just to be like, well, this happened around the league. But I want to talk about the Ottawa Senators, and specifically the current, I don't bidding process, I guess, to purchase the club for a reported cost of over a billion dollars, which, by the way, if the Ottawa Senators get sold for a billion dollars or more, whoo, my God, the, that makes the Carolina Hurricanes like a 700, 800, 900 million dollar team. That's real. Now, part of that deal is for the Saddle Dome. It's a real estate deal. That's true. But it will definitely raise the value of the Hurricanes who already 
I think it's like 40%. The Ottawa Senators have a 40% valuation against the Hurricanes. So that's going to be great. But the, you know, speculation on this is that a celebrity will be the like front-facing owner. We all knew about Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds has been talked about for a while as a possible owner of the Ottawa Senators. He seems to love uh, owning sports teams. Check out Rexman, uh, whatever league they play in, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know enough about uh, English football. But he seems to love it. And now he wants to take a spin at the National Hockey League. Except that now it's also come out that Snoop Dogg has an interest in being a owner of the team, being a front-facing owner of the Ottawa Senators. And first of all, what is going on in Ottawa, guys? <laughs> this is legitimately the most relevant the Senators have been in an incredibly long time. I, I, it, it's almost unbelievable. And I've been kicking around, if I had to choose between those two men, who would I rather see as the owner in the National Hockey League? Ryan Reynolds or Snoop Dogg? And of course my answer is Snoop Dogg. Like, 100% no stop without even thinking about it. Snoop Dogg being an NHL owner would do incredible things for the growth of this league. Just incredible things. How do I... This is actually incredibly easy to say. Hockey is an incredibly white sport. The wide majority of their fans are Caucasians. That is no secret. You go to a game, you see that. There was no way around it. There's no way to deny it. We have our first black GM in San Jose. Imagine if Snoop Dogg became an owner. What that could do for the growth of the game. How he could use that to introduce the sport to a almost ignored demographic for the wide majority of this league's existence. He already made the game more popular in the 90s when he decided that hockey jerseys are cool as hell, and he was just going to wear them around. They became a fashion trend, and they still are to this day. Every once in a while, you'll still catch someone wearing like a Toronto jersey because of Drake. Or an L.A. Kings jersey because of Snoop Dogg. And they have probably, and not probably, I've actually met someone who I made a... Here, I'll tell, I'll tell a quick story. I was at work. No, I wasn't at work. I was at a grocery store. Excuse me. I was at the Briar Creek Harris Theater. And this guy was in a Maple Leaf jersey. And I was like, hey, man, you can't wear that here. And he was like, what? What should I be wearing then? And I was like, dude, the arena's 15 minutes away from here. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I... Uh, I'm not a big Capitals fan. And I was like, what? The, the Hurricanes play here. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't really follow. I, I just like the way it looks. That's real. That happens. So imagine if Snoop Dogg was an owner. The platform he has could tremendously help this league. But whatever. Thank you for letting me, you know, rant about it. And that's my two cents on it. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Share the show, follow it if you don't already, rate it five stars, all of it would be appreciated. Go check out the new Home Ice Advantage website, kaneshomeice.com. 
It's going to be great. Still kind of working on it, but it's going to be great. And it's built just for you. Share it with your friends. That would also be awesome. Until Puck Drop against the Devils, go Canes.